Hello, everybody. Well, welcome here today to Summit Church. And we are uh, going to continue with our series on uh, Jesus's healing crusade. And uh, what a good time to be talking about healing, you know, with this pandemic going on in the land. And uh, I can't think of a better subject to be dealing with and talking about and studying from the word of God than the subject of healing. And so, uh, you know, uh, many years ago when I was much younger, I went to uh, several different healing evangelist uh, crusades and healing crusades and I always thought it would be neat to go to Jesus's healing crusade you know now you know what I mean by that go to go back 2,000 years ago and follow Jesus around as he healed the people and and healing miracles of healing and so on and so forth I thought that would be neat so we can't go back 2,000 years uh, literally but we can go into the word of God and we can go back 2,000 years and and walk the shores of Galilee with Jesus and go where he went as we study the word of God and 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 uh, be right there with him as he heals the sick and I tell you we've been on this now for a couple several months and we've got several more weeks to go with it I think and uh, I've learned a lot just going through restudying it all and uh, we've, we've brought a lot of good things out uh, I think by the Holy Spirit's help. And remember the pe- people came to Jesus. Well, first of all, Acts 10, 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And so we, we've used that as our, our key text for all of this in this series. And uh, God the Father anointed Jesus, the, the Son of God, you know, but he wasn't operating as God. Jesus was operating as a man, though he was 100% God here when he was in his earthly ministry. He, he was God, but he wasn't operating as God. He was operating as a man. Thus, he needed that the anointing. And he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. That word power is the Greek word dunamis. We get the English word dynamite from it. From it. So he was anointed with spiritual dynamite. And with that spiritual dynamite, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. The devil is the bad one. God's the good one. So Jesus was healing all who were oppressed of the devil for God was with him. And then again, we've seen that people came to Jesus' ministry to hear and be healed. A lot of times folks just want to come to, to be healed, but you have to come to hear and then be healed. And of course, uh, why is the hearing so important? Because again and again, we see that Jesus mentioned that it was the people's faith that healed them. Now it was his power that healed them, but it was their faith that drew the power. And, uh, and so people came to hear. Well, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. So the people would come. They'd listen to Jesus teach and preach. They'd hear the word. Their faith would be built, you know. Uh, or, or maybe like that woman with the issue of blood. Uh, she, now, now in her case, she didn't necessarily come and listen to Jesus, but she had heard about him right before she ever got to him. So you see that, and, and, and so that built her faith. She had faith. You know, she heard about Jesus. Jesus is the Word made flesh. So she heard the Word, and she came in faith and touched him. And see, it was her faith that touched the power of God, tapped into it, and it healed her. See, so when we see that again and again and again. As we look at the ministry of Jesus. So we've gone through so many of his healing miracles. Let's pick up in John, the fourth chapter, John, the fourth chapter. And we'll look at the uh, 46th verse, John, the fourth chapter and the 46th verse says, so Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine and uh, 
uh, there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down and he, uh, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. Now watch this. So the man believed, the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. So this man must have heard of Jesus, came to him. And then Jesus says, go your way, your son lives. So notice this. So the man what? The man believed. See, there's faith. The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. Now, if the man hadn't believed, then then his son wouldn't have been helped. But the man believed. And, And that word believed, it's the same word for faith. The man believed. He had faith in the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. And as he went and verse 51, and as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed. Okay, so so he believed and uh, and his whole household. And actually is interesting here. uh, Verse 50, uh, we notice that. Jesus spoke the word to this man and the man believed, but it doesn't appear to me that this man became a believer until verse 53. Now, I don't know if you got what I said right there, but I'll explain it to you as best I can. You know, he heard heard of Jesus. He believed that Jesus could help him. He came to him. Jesus spoke a word and he believed that word. But I'll just put it where everybody can understand it. I don't think the man got saved right there. I don't think he got saved right there. He just believed what Jesus spoke. And that's, that's, that's wonderful. And his son got healed as a result of it. But remember what Jesus said? He said in verse 48, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. So this man, he'd heard of Jesus. He was desperate. He needed help. He came to Jesus. Jesus spoke the word. The man believed the word, but I don't think he got saved right there. But when he saw the sign and the wonder, you see, and he saw that the fever had left his child, he saw that sign, that wonder, that the healing power got in operation. Then the Bible says he he believed. In other words, I'll put it this way. He got saved. He he committed his life to Jesus and not only him, but what his whole household, his whole household. And, uh, you know, Jesus made the statement one time. He he said, you know, believe for the very work's sake. So I tell you what, if you won't believe the, the preaching of the word of God, if you won't believe, you know, if you're, you know, any of any you won't. At least believe when you see the power of God in operation. Can you say amen to that? You know? amen. Okay. And uh, yet some, and we saw it in the Bible, won't even believe then, will they? Because we saw the cities and towns where Jesus did most of his mighty works. They didn't believe, did they? They didn't believe. 
And we've talked about that at great at great length. But uh, so so if you won't believe for any other reason, at least believe when you see the power of God in operation. And that's what happened to this man here. I'm convinced of it, that that he heard the word that Jesus spoke. Go your go your way. Your son lives. He believed that. And, and, and there was enough faith in that for the power of God to operate. And his son got, got uh, delivered and healed of this fever. But then as a result of that sign, as a result of that miracle, then this man gets saved. And then his whole household gets saved as well. So, uh, so thank God for it. Now let's go to John, the fifth chapter. And again, I, I'm chronicling the, the, all the healing miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, we're, we're going through them as best we can in chronological order. Uh, and so let's go to John, the fifth chapter and the first verse. We're going to look at this crippled man at the pool of Bethesda. Now, don't get this confused with Bethsaida. Bethsaida was a town where Jesus had done most of his mighty works. Remember, we talked about that. And and uh, and actually, he he'd actually Jesus had had had, uh, uh, you know, We'll put it, put, how do I want to say, he, there, there was a curse on that town. He, he left that place. Remember that? He wouldn't, he, he took that one guy out of it and healed him and said, don't go back into that town. I mean, he was done with that town, you know. And that town received its last call. We talked about that, you know. But don't get that town confused with this pool here of Bethesda. So this, uh, notice here in verse one, after this, there was a feast, verse one of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Uh, now there in Jerusalem by the sheep gate, there was a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed. Now, now you need to get a picture of this in your mind. There was five porches or five areas, probably of some considerable size. Because the Bible says, and I know it was considerable size, because the Bible says there lay a great multitude of sick people. Now you think about that. A great multitude. Now a great, the, now what do we say about a multitude? We said a multitude was what? Now we don't know for sure. But, but, but there's a Jewish tradition that says it was 10,000. And this is a great multitude. So, so I'm not saying that there were, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 people here, but, but you can imagine there was a bunch of people here. You need to realize this. And, uh, and, and you can understand it as we read on. Uh, sick people will, will go to a place where they think they can get help. Right. Now they will. Uh, and, uh, that's why if you've ever gone to a hospital, has anybody ever gone to a hospital uh, to visit people like I have, you know? And you go there, uh, some of them, just almost any time of the day, you find a, you have a dickens of a time finding a parking spot. Right. Hospitals are full of people, just, just filled, filled with people. Why are they there? They're trying to get healed. You're, you're trying to get well, and, that, and that's, that's good. That's, that's fine. Um, and so you need... Uh, you need to set this up in your mind of what was going on here. There were a lot of sick people in this at this pool of Bethesda. There was a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, you know, waiting for the moving of the water. Now, there's a pool there waiting for the moving of the water. In these lay a great multitude of sick people. 
And uh, waiting for the moving of the water. Now watch verse 4. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease they had. Now you think about that. Now, it, now actually in some Bibles, in some Bibles, and in most Bibles, there will be a little asterisk around uh, uh, verse 4. I believe it is, the end of verse 3 and verse 4, because uh, some Bibles leave this, this verse out. Because in the earliest manuscripts, from my study of it, if I'm not mistaken, from the earliest, some of the earliest manuscripts do not contain these verses about the stirring of the water in the, at this pool. But others, others do contain, other, uh, 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 Translations and manuscripts do contain it. And, um, and so Bible scholars argue, should this even be in the Bible or not about the, the stirring of the water? Some, some good scholars say yes, some good scholars say no. And uh, you probably want to know what my thoughts are, because you could argue it either way. My, my thoughts on it is I believe these verses ought to be in there. You know why? Because why are all those people gathered there? Now, why are they gathered there? They're, but, but, but the point I'm trying to make is they're gathered for healing. But the point I'm trying to make is, do you think an angel did come down and stir up the water? I think so, because why? I mean, this had gone on for some time. And why is there such a great multitude of, there, multitude of sick people there? Because folks had come and they'd seen people go down in that water and come up healed. Amen. Do you just using a little Sherlock Holmes here, a little Sherlock Holmes logic? Now you know if if time had come and gone, you know years had come and gone, and, and people went down in the water sick, and they came up out of the water sick. Do you think that multitude would have stayed there? No. Now come on, would it, would they have stayed there? No. Would you stay there? But now if you if you were sick of some terminal disease, and you saw that all of a sudden the water was moving. And somebody with a terminal illness, they were blind or they were lame or whatever, went into that water and came up out of that water and they were totally healed. Would, would, would you want to, would you want to dip in that water? I would. How about you, huh? So I think it ought to be in there. So with that, that, that having been said, an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. And whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well of whatever disease he had. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. That's a long time to be infirmed. When Jesus saw him lying there, he knew that he had already been in that condition a long time. Now, he knew that by what, I, what the Bible calls a word of knowledge. He, he knew that supernaturally, in, in my opinion, unless, unless somebody told Jesus and uh, and it, the Bible didn't record it, but I think it's, it's clear to me that Jesus knew by the Spirit he'd already been in that condition a long time. But be that as it may, he said to this man, do you want to be made well? Now, uh, now I, I don't know about you, but if Jesus asked me, do you want to be made well, before he got well, before the question mark got on the, the red question mark got in, in the Bible there, what would you be saying? Yes. Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Absolutely yes. Do you want to be made well? It's really an astounding question if you think about it. 
But I've learned from being in the healing ministry for many years that, uh, that, that a lot of folks, when you get right down to it, don't really want to be made well. Now you say, Pastor Terry, I don't believe you. How can that be? Everybody would want to be made well. I tell you what, I've watched a lot of folks over the years uh, don't want to do what it takes to be made well. Sometimes you have to do some things with your physical body and you have to, you know, maybe lose weight. And folks, I've watched folks, they don't want to do that. Now they'll want you to pray for them. But really, prayer isn't the answer when, when just losing weight can do, the, can do the trick, you see, or do the job. Did you get what I just said? You know, I'm not saying that to put anyone down or whatever, but I've already had folks come in the healing lines over the many years that they're, you know, they could, they could barely stand up. Their, 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 their knees were hurting them so bad. And, uh, and, and I tell you right now, by the Spirit of God, you, you, don't, you can pray for those people all day and all night long. You're not going to get any results. What they need to do is lose about 70, 80, 90 pounds. Come on now. Do you really want to be made well? Well, let, pray for me, Pastor, so my knees will be healed so I can go home and eat more, more uh, you know, bonbons. I mean, or, or, or uh, you know what I mean? And, and not only that, let's look at it from a spiritual angle. There's a lot of people that, that, that they, they, they don't, I've watched it over the years. They don't want to do what it takes spiritually to, to, to get well. They don't want to, they, you know, they don't want to set themselves aside and fast and pray and seek the Lord. They just want the pastor to lay hands on them and zap them with the healing power of God and, and then go on about their, their undisciplined life as a Christian. Come on now. And then there's others. I'm thinking of one particular person that, that she's in heaven now, but back many, I mean, years, way years back, uh, you know, she, we, we couldn't get her healed, just couldn't get her healed. And long story short, um, what, what, what it was when he got right down to it is uh, when she'd come into the church, she'd start telling everybody about all her ailments. And everybody back there then would start, you know, patting her on the head and say, oh, you poor baby, you poor baby. And what it was, and we all, how many of you know we ought to be compassionate? And we ought to do the poor baby. We ought to do that. I mean, you know, we need to be compassionate and love people, right? But, but it got to the point where in the Holy Spirit revealed it to me. See, that with that sick, the sickness in her body was drawing attention and she thrived on that attention. And I could see I never, we never could get her healed, you know. Never could, never could. And then eventually down the road, she, she uh, went, went on to be with the Lord. But, and we could have got her well, but, uh, but you know, that, that, that patheticness, if you will, or that's that, you know what I mean when I say patheticness, uh, oh, woe is me type stuff. I tell you what, if that's not an attitude of faith, is it? No. Now, is it or not? So, so we want to be compassionate, pe- compassionate to people. But you know, Smith Wigglesworth, have you ever heard of Smith Wigglesworth? Now he was a, he was a bold individual, and, and and there's record that sometimes he had one guy came into his healing line one night and he prayed for the guy, and then the next night the guy came back into that same guy came back into his healing line, and and Smith Wigglesworth he he said you were in the line last night something to that effect and and uh, so as he said you know I'm not going to pray for you again or something to that to that effect. And uh, as the guy was walking off, Smith Wigglesworth kicked him in the butt. 
just kicked him right in the backside. He said, you got healed last night. You don't have sense enough to know it, you know. Something of that. Blunt. Sometimes, you know, you got to be blunt with some folks to get them healed. You know, remember Paul over there, I think it was in Lystra, where that man was crippled from his mother's womb. How many of you remember that? And, and, and Paul was preaching and the guy was listening. And the Bible says Paul perceived that, he, that the man had faith to be healed. But the guy with faith to be healed was still just as sick as he ever was sitting there, crippled. And the Bible says Paul said with a loud voice, rise up and walk, something to that effect. Why did Paul use that loud, bold uh, voice? To get the man to, you know, release his faith and snap out of a pity party or whatever, you know, perhaps. You see what I'm saying? So do you want to be made well? So that's a question I think we all have to ask ourselves. Do we want to be made well? And, and of course, you'd think everybody would. And I think everybody would answer the question, yes. But when you get right down to it, a lot of times folks really, really don't want to do what it takes to to stay well, both from a spiritual standpoint or from a a natural standpoint. Anyway, do you want to be made well? Jesus asked this man and the sick man answered him, sir. Now, now, now look at here. You don't see any faith here at all, do you? He said, sir. I have no man. I think he might have said like this, sir. I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming down, another steps in before me. Now, I don't know that the man said it that way. I can't prove that he said it that way, but you can't disprove that he didn't. He, I don't know. But it wouldn't surprise me. Can't you see the, the, the pathetic?ness that this means? Huh? Can't you see that? I mean, how many of you know when Jesus walks up and says, you want to be made well? What should we say? Yes, I want to be made well. But I can see. Sir, I have nobody to put me in the pool when the water stirred up. <laughs> While I'm coming down, somebody gets in there before me. <laughs> Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. You see Jesus, the boldness there. Now, the Bible doesn't say that he said it boldly, but you can see from the connotation of it. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Jesus didn't have time for the pity party, did he? Now, 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 I don't know that the man said it with the teary voice. I don't know that. I'm doing that for a little effect here. But you can see a pity partiness in there, can't you? Sir, I have no man to put me in the water. But when I'm going down there, somebody gets up. They, they button line. <laughs> and Jesus didn't have time for any of that. Jesus didn't pat the man on the head. Oh, you poor baby. You poor thing. Oh, you poor thing. Oh, I'm just so sad for you. You just have been mistreated. All these people around here have been mistreated. Jesus didn't do any of that, did he? He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. Well, I like that, don't you? And immediately the man was made well. Now, I want to say something to you right here. Most of the time in the New Testament, as we study the healing ministry of Jesus, and we've talked about this so much, that the people's faith, the sick people's faith, are the people who brought the sick people. Their faith is mentioned, is it not? We've talked about that at great length. 
But this is an instance here where I don't see that the person here that was sick, this sick man, this, this lame man, I don't see that he had any faith at all. None. Zero. Zip. Zilch. So what can we conclude by that? Well, we can conclude that sometimes God in his great mercy, and he's God, he can do that if he wants. Jesus is God. I know he wasn't operating as God, but he's still God. And he's good and just in his great, divine, wonderful mercy, just bypasses our doubt and unbelief and just hits us with the healing power of God anyway. Can anybody say amen to that? But what you need to know is this seems to be the exception and not the rule. The rule is you come, hear the word of God, get your faith built, and then your faith taps the healing power of God. That's the rule. This seems to be the exception. And immediately, verse 9, the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. Glory to God. Isn't that wonderful? And and, and it's interesting that... that, uh, You know, I tell you what, when you don't have anybody to put you in the pool, you have Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? When you, you know, and and thank God for the angels of God. But I tell you what, you know, uh, you know, we don't look to the angels for healing. We look to Jesus. Amen. So we're not, we don't have to wait on on an angel to come and stir up the pool. We can look to Jesus 24-7. Praise God for the healing power of God that he bought for us on Calvary's cross. Glory to God. All right, so I'm not dependent on the stirring of the water in a pool. I'm dependent on the Lord Jesus Christ. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Oh, Jesus, there he goes again. Well, there he goes again. He's doing it on the wrong day. (laughs) He's doing it on the wrong day. Well, we've talked a lot about that, haven't we? Because the religious people get so mad that Jesus had healed people on the Sabbath. You know, and Jesus told them, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, you know. But he did it on the Now watch this. Now watch what's going to happen here. The Jews therefore said to, uh, to him who was cured. Now, 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 if you just saw a man and this played out and the guy is totally healed. I don't know about you, but I'd be rejoicing with this guy. I'd be, I'd be so pl- happy and, and, and thrilled at this man. <laughs> and I'd, you know, glory to God. I just, oh, and by the way, I need to say this to you before I forget. When Jesus leaves this scene here, when he leaves this scene, you know, and goes on, how many people were, how many sick people were gathered there at those, those porches at, at Bethesda? Huh? Great multitudes. Great multitudes of sick people, right? And how many do we have record of that got healed? One. So did Jesus heal all these other people? We have no record of it. But yet we see Jesus healing multitudes, don't we? At other times, he heals multitudes. Now, why didn't he heal these people here? Well, I can speculate. Uh, there was, I don't think there was, there was hardly, well, hard, I don't think there was any faith in, in, in these people. Come on now. 
They were they, they were they were more looking at the looking at the stirring of the water. Huh? They might have had more faith in that water stirring than they did in the power of God, you know, directly looking to God. But I want you to, you know, I want I want to point that out. Spirit of God wanted me to point that out because a lot of times people think, well, Jesus just healed everybody everywhere he went. But he left a great multitude sick here, didn't he? You know, people think of, uh, of ministers who flow in the healing anointing that, that, that we're going to just see, you know, just bring anybody in here who's sick and we'll get them healed. Well, did Jesus, did he get everybody healed in Nazareth? No, just a few with minor ailments because of their unbelief. And here he leaves a whole great multitude sick. Must have been a lack of faith on their part. I don't really know the full answers to it all. I'm just giving you some, some food for thought from 30 years of meditating or more on this. On this, uh, I, I've always thought it would be neat to take the healing power of God down to the hospital, whatever hospital you want to choose, and go in there and empty it out. And in fact, critics of the healing, critics of the healing power of God, that you know, people that say, well, the healing power of God's passed away, it's all gone, you know, which it, it isn't. We've seen so many people healed here around here over the last decades. But they'll say, go to the hospital with the healing power of God and clear it out. Well, I want to tell you this, I've been to a few hospitals, and I tell you what, there's a lot of doubt and unbelief in hospitals. Oh, yes. There's some faith there, but very little. Take it from me. And, uh, you know, you, you can go in there. Jesus himself could go to many, to, to any hospital in the land. And I don't, I don't think he'd be able to clear it out. Now, does he have the power to do it? Sure. Is he willing to do it? Sure. But it takes what? It takes faith. And, and, and other than a few in his great mercy that he might, you know, heal like he did this guy here, he'd walk out and he'd leave the whole hospital full of sick folk. Not because it was his will. But you have to have faith, don't you? Is that right? And, and so, and then I always like, like this when people say, well, I'll take the healing power of God down to the hospital and clear it out. Well, why don't you take the, the gospel of salvation and go down to the local bar and get everybody saved? Huh? You go to, go to, go to some of these, these nightclubs or these, these discotheques or whatever they call them and go in there some, where they're all having to be these big drunken orgies and whatever. Go in there with the gospel and see, see what happens to you. I mean, go, go. That's great. Do it. But you think you're going to be able to go clean all of the, all of the, uh, all of the, 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 the places, the dance clubs and all that? You think you're going to go in there with the gospel and get everybody saved? No more than you're going to go with the healing power of God and clear the hospitals out. Because people have to have a, they, it ha, there's got to be what? Faith in their heart. Now, now we, we, we go in love and we tell people about the gospel, but I'm trying to prove a point to you because people say, well, go to the hospital and clear it out with the healing power of God. Well, then you go down to the, go down to the bar where there's three or four hundred drunks and get them all saved and clear it out. Did you get did you get what I'm saying there? You know, I mean, take the gospel, go take the healing power, go do it. But I'm just trying to prove a point that, that I'm trying to rebut a point where people say, well, go to the hospital and clear them out. Well, you go to the to the to the barn and get them all saved. 
When you go to the bar and get them all saved, 103, 4, 500 drunk saved, I'll go to the hospital and clear it out with the healing power of God. The point is, did Jesus leave all these people there sick? Was it his will that they stay sick? No. Did he have the power to heal them? Yes. Why did he just heal this one guy? I don't know. Is that a good answer? But he did. Now, he did this on the Sabbath. And notice here, these people here uh, in verse 11, he answered them because they said, to, they said to this guy, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. See, this is verse 10. The Jews said to him that was cured, instead of being thrilled about it, instead of being happy about it, they're aggravated and upset because... It's a Sabbath day and he's carrying his bed on the Sabbath. You talk about some, something that is just pathetic. Isn't this pathetic? These, these religious people were just, I mean, I've never had to deal with people like what Jesus had to deal with. I mean, these people here, they should have been rejoicing that this man is healed. No, they're crabbing because, you know, I, if you saw a man that had been sick, what, how, how long was it? How long? How, how long? 38? Wouldn't you be happy? Man, man, glory to God, you're healed, praise God. Wouldn't you be doing that? Or would you be saying, well, wait a minute, hold on, buster. Just wait a minute there, bub. Hey, you're carrying your, you're carrying that, you know that bed you've been laying on for 38 years? Hey, why are you carrying that on the Sabbath? It's a wrong day. Now, do you see how sick that is? I mean, those religious hypocrites were really sicker than this man that, had, that just got healed, weren't they? Absolutely. Actually in worse condition. It's not lawful for you to carry your bed on the Sabbath. <laughs> now notice verse 11. He answered them, He who has made me well said to me, Take up your bed and walk. Then they asked him, Who is the man who said to you, Take up your bed and walk? But the one who was healed did not know who it was. <laughs> he didn't even know who Jesus was. Now you think about that. Didn't even know who he was. For Jesus had withdrawn a multitude being in that place. See, there's that multitude. And Jesus withdrew himself. Now you think about that. How many people, including myself, if somebody came in here 38 years on a stretcher, they get healed, I'd be, I, you know, I'd be wanting to put that on Facebook and everything else, huh? Came to my church, got healed. Jesus wasn't, he came... And the Bible said he made himself a what? No reputation. And, and that's what I'd want to do when I was younger, you know. Put it on Facebook, let everybody know. He came to my church, got, I laid hands on him and he got no, See, there's too many eyes in there. No, the healing, the, the, the minister, you withdraw yourself and give all the glory to God. So I can't heal anybody. But it's interesting here, very God himself, Jesus withdrew himself. He wasn't looking for the accolades, was he? And then verse 14, afterward, Jesus found this guy in the temple and said to him, See, you've been made well. Now watch this. Hang on every word here. See, you've been made well. Then notice this. Jesus says, Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Now, why was this guy sick for 38 years? Jesus tells us there was something in his life that shouldn't have been there. It was because of sin. Can't we conclude that? 
Now, what you have to be watchful of is, is that, because here's what happens. People say, people come in here and say, well, if somebody's sick, there must be some sin that they're committing. To call, that, that, you know, that's why they're sick or that's why they can't get well. There's some sin in their life. Well, we'll not get to it today for the sake of time. But uh, next week, uh, what we'll do is we're going to look at, uh, if, I can, if I can get my pages apart here, uh, we're going to look at the man born blind. We'll look at, at him next week. And we'll see that because the disciples questioned Jesus about, uh, uh, about who did sin to cause the blindness. And Jesus answered, he said that neither this man nor his parents sinned to cause the blindness, you see. Now, we've all sinned and missed God. Don't misunderstand me, but sinned to cause the blindness. So don't think that if somebody's sick or they can't get seemingly get well, don't think it's because there's some sin that's caused it or, 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 or that, anything of that nature. Do you understand that? But in some cases, it is sin. In some cases it is, and it's clear here that it was in this case because Jesus said to him, Sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. Verse 15, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who made him well. For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him because he'd done these things on the Sabbath. Isn't that sad? Isn't that sad? Uh, all right, I'll repeat it. Okay, so verse 15 says, The man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had been made well. Verse 16, For this reason the Jews persecuted Jesus and sought to kill him, because he had done these things, he healed this man on the Sabbath. That's sad, isn't it? And uh, actually, uh, with this uh, with this man born blind, and I'll bring it out again next week. But I want you to I want you to go there. Just turn in your Bibles. This is uh, this is John uh, chapter nine, verse thirty four. I'm jumping way ahead because I'm going to go through this whole story with you. With the man born blind next week. It's an outstanding, fascinating story. But this guy here that came up off the stretcher. This guy that came up off the stretcher. You see what happened. Here. But this man that was born blind. We're going to see next Sunday. Verse 34 of John 9. Uh, the last part of that verse. Uh says they cast him out. In other words, he was blind. He got healed of the blindness. Jesus restored his sight. And as a result, the man that was blind that got his sight back got excommunicated from the temple. They threw him out of the temple. You talk about sick. Isn't that sick? You talk about sad. That's sad, isn't it? You know, they, we put it in words we can understand. It's like, if, it's like if you'd been sick for a long time or you'd been blind all your life and you came in here and, and, and you got healed and the rest of the church threw you out because you got healed on Sunday. Wouldn't that be, wouldn't that be something? You got to realize that the, 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 the lunacy that Jesus had to deal with. The lunacy. 
You know? And I tell you what, man-made religion is one of the most damnable things that there is. I'm not talking about the pure undefiled religion that the Bible talks about. I'm talking about man-made rules and regulations. And you know, God instituted the Sabbath, didn't he? But you see what, what man's religion did to it. There's so many rules on it. You couldn't even enjoy yourself on the Sabbath. You couldn't, you couldn't, get, you couldn't even get healed on the Sabbath. Man-made religion is, stinks in the nostrils of God. Do you get anything out of this? Well, we'll put, read John the ninth chapter uh, for next week and uh, we'll pick up and look at the man born blind, okay? Hey, if you're out there and you're watching on social media, you can all stand if you would. Uh, the Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So if you're out there and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you've never received Him, you've never been born again, the Bible says there, there's a heaven to gain and there is a hell to shun. And so the only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins and receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. So, so, so what you do is just, it's as simple as this. Call on the name of the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. That quick, you get saved. You become a Christian. You're going to miss hell and make heaven one day. And, uh, and, and God will make your life worth living in the meantime. But I do need to tell you this. You give your heart to the Lord Jesus. You receive him. Now, you, can, you don't go on living like you used to be, been living. There's, there's been a change that's taken place in your heart. And so now you're going to start serving God. Okay, so I encourage you to do that. And hey, if you receive Jesus as your Savior, let us know. The information is right there on the, uh, around where, where my picture is there, where we're preaching to you from. And let us know. Send us an email. Give us a call. We'll rejoice with you. It's important that you tell somebody that you received Jesus. Okay, all right. Well, we'll see you later from social media. God bless you. Bye-bye.